we're actually seeing a little more of a revival of the small community ski areas. There's a handful of resorts that opened last year that hadn't opened in 10 years. Communities are coming together to say like, hey, this is a resource that we lost and how do we get it back? And they're finding unique ways to, to bring it together. Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever, at Powderhound Skis. You can also email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. This episode features Sarah Wojcik, founder and editor of All Mountain Mamas, which seeks to share her and her fellow mama's passion for skiing and snowboarding with families across North America. Sarah is currently the associate editor at Ski Area Management, otherwise known as SAM. Sarah has been skiing for more than three decades, cut her teeth ski patrolling in the Poconos while fine-tuning those turns in the Green Mountain State. Her home ski area is Jay Peak, which is one of many things we agreed upon during our conversation. About that conversation, we cover tips and tricks to get your little ones to fall in love with winter sports. We talk arguably the best deal for Northeast skiing, a possible petition drive to resurrect a stoke-filled lost magazine, the future of skiing in the Northeast, a mid-episode trivia question, a mid-episode lightning round, the best pizza in Vermont, and so much more. The music inspiration is Feel It Still, because Sarah, and I for that matter, got another mouth to feed. But we're not talking food here, folks. We are serving a full plate of stoke to get the kiddos excited for playing in the snow. Sure, you can't eat opening dates, frost on the ground, or even first chair, But you know what you can do? Sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding. Powderhounds. I'm excited to welcome my guest today, Sarah Wojcik. Sarah is the founder of the All Mountain Mamas, which seeks to share her and her fellow mamas' passion of skiing and snowboarding with families across North America. She was previously the Director of Marketing and Communications for Ski Vermont. Sarah is currently the editor of Sam Magazine. That would be Ski Area Management, the voice of the mountain resort industry. I cannot think of a more qualified person to talk skiing, skiing in the Northeast, and the resort industry than Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. I am doing well today. I'm excited for winter. It's just around the corner. That's right. Opening uh, opening days are happening fast and furious. Exactly. 
so listeners get to know you a little bit. We're going to do a quick lightning round of questions. Okay. How long, how long have you been skiing and where did you start? Um, let's see. I started skiing when I was around eight years old and I won't give my age away, but it's been <laughs> over, over 30 years, uh, <laughs> almost 35 years there. And I started skiing at Camelback in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's good intel. We'll be hanging, heading down there in January with the little one, which we'll get into. Awesome. awesome. Poconos. All right. What is your favorite ski area today? I have a hard time choosing a favorite, but my home mountain at the moment is Jay Peak in Vermont. All right. Well, you're not going to get any. Uh... <laughs> I'm only going to agree with you on that one. So. <laughs> you're in good company. Good Absolutely. How about your favorite terrain? I like a good mix. So I like a run that's going to take me on something gnarly and maybe bumped up to like a nice open groomer. So give me everything at once. Get the muscles going and then mm -hmm. sort of have ease into the next run. Uh, okay. How about that perfect ski day? First There's chair? Oh, oh, first chair. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had first chair, but I've enjoyed a few of those and they're pretty wonderful. I want it to snow all day. So Love it's it. fresh track every run. Can't disagree with that. And finally, uh, any bucket list destinations or any uh, big travel coming up? No big travel coming up this year yet. Bucket list destinations. I have uh, Whistler and Taos. They're both on my list. Oh, wow. Taos came up on a previous episode, our March Mogul Madness Bracket Challenge. Though sadly, the ski group decided to go for Mammoth instead. Regardless, we'll be anxious to follow you when you get, when you get there. <laughs> Give me a shout. All right, let's start with an article you wrote on January 11th, 2023. What's the best age to teach my kids to ski? Good so question. You, so you wrote that very question is the most common you get. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I read the article, sort of two ex like examples, recent examples came to mind, one of which was a friend uh, brought their daughter, uh, Amelia, to France on a mostly adult group trip, and she mm -hmm. did excellent from all accounts. Uh, on the other hand, a friend of mine brought his son, uh, not that far away, actually, about an hour from where he lives to a ski area. And unfortunately, the young lad had a total meltdown, never got out of the lodge, never got on the slope. Oh, no. <laughs> How old were both of those folks? <laughs> I think four in Amelia's case and about three. Yeah. So uh, and I don't want to give I don't want to embarrass anybody. So I'll keep that name private. But anyway, Sarah is. Three is four is two, the magic number to teach my kid to ski. Well, I think I said in that article, there is no magic number. Of course, it depends on you. It depends on your kids. It depends on where you're going. You know, some kids have no issues with the cold. My oldest, he's like, put me out in shorts and a t-shirt when it's 30 degrees. And other kids are super sensitive to it, right? And some kids just want to play in the snow. I mean, to give you an example, I've been working in the ski industry for many, many years and I can recall my maybe third time when my dad drove all the way up to Mount Snow, Vermont. I think I made one run and I cried most of the way down. So even if the, it is a terrible first time or, you know, it doesn't mean that the kid's not going to end up skiing in the future. But I think it depends on how much you're willing to invest um, at an early age, because sometimes, you know, you put a lot of money into something and they're three years old and you take them to the slopes and you don't love it. It feels then sometimes you feel like you might be putting pressure on them because you have invested so much time and effort to getting them there. So if you're, you know, if you are going to be investing a lot of money, I would wait until they're a little older. They have a little better control of their body. Um, my six-year-old is, is kind of ripping it up right now. He started when he was very young, but it didn't really click right until last year, until he was about five years old. 
So great if you can get them on the snow, if you're somebody that's out there all the time, right? Like we're there, we're already there at the mountain. So my three-year-old will ski this year for sure. Um, but if I wasn't there and I had to make a long haul and I had to pay for lodging and I had to pay for rentals and I had to pay for lessons, I would probably wait a little bit longer. But again, it really depends on your kid and your your family makeup. A lot of snacks. That's the uh, oh, one of the things that I've been hearing from everybody. <laughs> I think that's a tip in every single article on All Mountain Mama. It's like, pro tip, bring snacks. <laughs> Lots of them. Dry socks and snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sort of that expectation sort of setting, I guess, that level setting. Yeah, as Sarah and I chatted, uh, also we share a three and a half year old and uh, my plans are he already has the season rentals, got the uh, yeah. boots. We have a little snow play plan at one of the nearby ski areas, Nice, uh, which is a loose instruction. So I'm curious about, you know, instruction lessons, what uh, sort of comes to mind, at least for the younger set on uh, when should... A kid get into a program yeah I actually did a really great uh it was like a mommy and me lesson at smuggler's notch with my youngest when he was about three years old he might have been even been a little bit younger he was maybe a little bit too young for it I probably would have waited had I not been like covering it it was really like uh let's if, if you're not a teacher of skiing or snowboarding it was a really great way to show parents how they can kind of make it fun and make it play and get the kid comfortable on the gear without the pressure of like learning how to turn. So it is, I mean, for me, when I bring my, my youngest and when I brought my older one, when he was really young, it was really about just getting time on snow and being out there and getting used to it and getting used to the gear and with really low expectations. Like we take two runs and you don't want to do it anymore. Cool. Let's go have, you know, grilled cheese and hot chocolate. So I think when they're really young, having nice low expectations and just keeping it light is, is pretty key. Waffle cabin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that'll give them revved up for another run too. Like, okay, now I have energy. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And, and, and the parents too, probably. Mm -hmm. totally. uh, so, so let's back up for a second. Wanted to ask a little bit more about where you grew up, sort of your interests and the path that led you to such prominent roles in the ski industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I kind of started skiing when I was eight or nine in the Poconos. My origin story is interesting because my dad was actually a ski patroller at Camelback, but he had only started skiing about five years earlier. I think it was like, I have kids and I need an activity to do. And he learned how to ski and he immediately got sucked in and, and started training to be a ski patroller. So we could ski for free, essentially. <laughs> right. That was, uh, that was a long-term goal there. Let's see how we can do this without paying too much for it. So I sort of followed in his footsteps. I started patrolling when I was I think 14. I was a junior patroller at Camelback. Patrolled there through high school and I worked there. And, you know, when I came home for Christmas during college, I did paid patrol, got a lot of first aid experience there. And then when I graduated, sure. I came up to UVM for college, you know, to major in skiing. I mean, some other things. <laughs> yep. And um, when I graduated, <laughs> I actually started patrolling up in, in Vermont. So I patrolled at Bolton for a year and then at Sugarbush for about seven years. So that kind of got me really pretty deep in the industry, just working at the mountains. I, I stopped patrolling when I started working at Ski Vermont. So I was the director of communications there and then the director of marketing and communications. And I got, again, following my dad's footsteps, I got my free access to skiing through that job. Win-win. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, got to explore, you know, all of the resorts in Vermont and get really close with them and get to know a lot of the, the ski areas. 
and be able to ski all over the state was pretty, which was pretty awesome. And then from there, I, I ended up at Sam Magazine. Talk about a little bit about the difference between the, the ski cultures in the Poconos and uh, the Green Mountain State. You know, it kind of changes everywhere you go, but not too much. You know, anywhere you go, you just have a lot of people that want to be outside sliding on snow. And I think that's beautiful. You can find that anywhere in any any resort. I can tell you. So I grew up in in at Camelback, you know, shorter runs, not a lot of fresh snow. When I was patrolling, it was a lot of first aid work because a much higher capacity of people. I remember my first year at Bolton, I think I had two accidents. I ran two two runs. And I'm like, oh, I used to do six a day at Camelback. Right. <laughs> An example of the number of people that has changed. I think there's actually more people skiing in northern Vermont than there used to be. But certainly the amount of people on on the terrain has, is, is quite different. And the terrain itself, even northern Vermont from southern Vermont is a difference in terrain. Um, you know, you have a little more wide open groomers in southern Vermont and a little more gnarly access to gnarly terrain up north. Well, I'm so definitely going to... That, that attracts different types of skiers, too. So, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm one of them. So I will see a Jay, Sugarbush, or Bolton. But uh, yeah, I'll probably also follow up with you about Camelback. Uh, some maybe tips and tricks on uh, the best yeah, way to navigate that area. Looking forward to getting down there. Do you get down there off uh, anymore? My parents actually moved to Vermont. I sucked them up here. I have not <laughs> skied in the Poconos in quite some time. I think actually last time I skied that far south, it was at Big Snow. So it was indoors in oh, New yeah? Jersey. Everyone's got to do that once, probably. Yeah, actually, it was really cool. Um, it was a really fun experience. I love going down there. Another cool thing that you uh, have created, founded, All Mountain Mamas. Sarah, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about the Mountain Mamas? All Mountain Mamas, who are they? What sure. do you do? And where can listeners learn more? Absolutely. So I actually started All Mountain Mamas before I was ever a parent. When I was working at Ski Vermont, we recognize, you know, families are a major target to draw in and talk to and speak to and bring to Vermont. So I started All Mountain Mamas and I actually sought out other writers. I wasn't writing content for them then. I found other female bloggers that were talking either about family specific activities or skiing as a family. And I invited them to come join All Mountain Mamas and I sent them around Vermont and um, had them write about their experiences. As that progressed and actually when I left Ski Vermont, I asked, you know, I had just become a parent. Um, I had a one-year-old when I left for Sam and I said, hey, can I take this with me? And um, Ski Vermont, I still have a contract with them, so I still manage it. Our writers have changed. A lot of their kids have grown out of sort of the, they're, you know, they're in college or graduating college. So our writers have have changed a little bit. I'm doing a lot of the writing and I have two or three other writers that that work for us that are mamas and that are kind of have different experiences on the slopes. And so all of our content, we do a lot of originally we did a lot of like, hey, this is what you can expect when you go to this resort. As I've come on, we, we've we've gone broader than that and done a lot of like tips and like, here's, you know, let's rate the uh, beginner areas in all over Vermont, like which ones are good for this or good for that and what are their pros and cons so people can help you know help people choose which one they want to take their family to and even like tips on how to dress and how to plan a trip and things like that oh the checklist oh yes all, all seasons <laughs> yeah yeah we've expanded to summer and fall too i've actually really focused on expanding our hiking coverage as well because what a nice easy accessible way to get out in the mountains in the summer and the fall and the spring now, I was uh, obviously poking around on the website. It's great for folks that have not been it, uh, been to it, allmountainmamas.skivermont.com. The earliest article I 
think I found in the lodging section it was from 2014, which means if I'm doing the math correct, All Mount Mom is celebrating a 10 year anniversary. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, I think we we launched the website probably in fall of 2013. Okay. And um, yeah, so our first post was probably January of 2014. Hey, thanks for bringing that up. I didn't even realize that. So now <laughs> I have to celebrate it. Ten years, of, 10 years of all mountain mamas i must i'll have to give like 10 lift tickets away or something so Ooh, i love you, you heard january <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks 10 <laughs> lift tickets what would you say is the, the most common sought after information um i can tell you the highest like google hit is skiing in the rain I think I think the search engine optimization on that is just very good, but we get a lot of readers of that. I think people plan have planned a trip and the weather isn't what they wanted it to be, and they they search it and that article comes up. There's some really nice tips. All right, I'm gonna have to ask: is that is that a Sarah article or is that one of the other mamas? It is not. That was one of our earlier ones after one of our mamas had a trip and, and it had rain, and they're like, you know, we actually had a really good time. They're like, the you know, there wasn't a lot of people out. The skiing was, the snow was soft. We just wore ponchos and had at it. I've had that experience. So I know it can be pretty fun. It's also not super cold. Yes. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that one since yeah. again, I don't want uh, the adverse weather to necessarily delay a, one of the many, hopefully trips with a three and a half year old. So exactly. uh, we'll just poncho exactly. up and have those dry rain socks. Boots out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rain boots and hot chocolate. Now, uh, when it comes to equipment, wanted to ask you about this, I guess maybe in your experience and some of the other mamas, what uh, equipment should parents think about? Harness, straps, the edgy wedgie. And then I have to ask you only because I saw in a recent email newsletter, boot skis. Oh, I got experience with that, but that did catch not, my eye. Yeah, I have not. That was one of our, um, on the on Sam side of things, one of our sponsored emails. So that was an advertisement. I have actually never used those. So I would like to try them out. As someone who loves to roller skate, I'm like, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. But um, equipment wise, I mean, whether it's skis or snowboard, I think, you know, start with a rental or two. I even like when they're really young, I had like these little plastic skis that have been passed down through oh, yeah. kid to kid. You know, when it comes to <laughs> stuff, I mean, anybody with kids knows like if you can get stuff from someone else, like you don't necessarily need to buy something new. So I tried though, I, I worked with those and that was really just to like have fun in the snow, right? We can't do a ton with that. I've been doing seasonal rentals with my kids. That's the only thing I've really done um, because I know we'll be out enough. And, you know, at the local shop in Burlington, it's $100 for the season. And that's really, you know, that's hard to beat. If you're going and you're you're not sure what your season is going to look like, obviously renting from the resort is great. And if you can, if you're if you're staying over and you can pick up the night before and get them all cozy and fitted into it, that's huge. Obviously, like, and I think you've probably read this on all Mount Mamas, we we definitely encourage lessons. If you're not someone who regularly teaches skiing or you're not, you know, a highly advanced skier, get your kids in lessons. They're going to listen to that person a lot better. I saw a recent, probably a meme on, on Instagram that it was like, kids are six times less likely to listen to their mother than anyone else. <laughs> like, great, thanks. <laughs> really good. So they will take instruction from other people really well. If you are teaching them yourself, I have used quite a few different tools. The edgy wedgie is nice to keep their tips from crossing and, but also not letting them like splay out. And I have actually used the little harness with straps as well. That's why they're getting used to, getting used to turning. Can't stop yet. 
Yeah, it occurs to me it just makes sense. Although I have a friend who who apparently thinks that may have daughter may have gotten some bad habits just from having used it so long. No, I've heard the cons of that is sometimes like because like you're almost holding them back and then they're kind of pulled in the back seat. Right. So the key really is to like keep them loose and it's like more of an emergency. What I really love about that setup though, and that I actually made my six-year-old wear it um probably longer than we ever use the straps the harness has a big handle on the back. So like when you're picking a kid up, that's so, so useful. <laughs> like even when you're trying to get them on the lift, um, I mm. love the handle. I'm like every, mm. I personally believe every ski outfit and ski jacket for kids should just have like a nice handle on the back so you can pull them around when you need to. Innovation. Let's go. Know, right. How does that not happen? <laughs> it took us what, 20 years ago. We finally put wheels on suitcases. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Handles on ski jackets and well, or the snowsuits would be even better. All right. Well, there's got to be some retailers listening. So hopefully we'll <laughs> see something innovative maybe next uh, next season. Um, we did a lightning round already. I was hoping to do another one, a little bit sure. more kid ski and snowboard focused. Absolutely. Uh, lightning, another, a second lightning round within the episode. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, and again, I know you don't like to pick favorites, but uh, perhaps so feel free to, to mention a few if you feel uh, that uh, one answer is, is just not the whole picture. But sure. best ski area for food for a child. Ooh. Mm. Oh, for a kid. OK. Yes, I mean, for a kid. For me, too. I, I mean, I got to go with Jay because me so hungry is probably that's <laughs> also my kids, because how are you not going to love ramen from a yeah. tram? They have their little like rice ball stands at Bolton and and Sugarbush and I think Stowe now too. So you can find them everywhere. Best ski area for group lessons for a child? Probably between Bolton and Smugs for me. Those are the ones that I've experienced and they're both great in different ways. Good, good crews, good instructors at each of them. They have really great programs. Best ski area accommodations for families, young families? Mm, I might have to say Stratton for that one. Ooh, that was a little bit yeah. of a wild card. We've been mm -hmm. focused in northern Vermont, so now we're making the jump south. It's okay. Well, I've actually, and I've stayed probably in, stayed in more areas in southern Vermont because when I go there, I need somewhere to stay. Stratton has some really nice condo options. Best ski area for kiddos first chair. That's a tough one. I um, I might say Stowe for that one. Ooh, yeah, over, in, uh, over on Spruce Peak? Yeah, their learning area, I'm really a fan of. It doesn't, that first chair too, doesn't have traffic coming in from the mountain at all. It's only for sort of the beginners there. And I've always found that kind of, it gives you a lot of peace of mind that nobody's whizzing down through your kids on their first run off a chair. Don't want to be terrified. Exactly. Best ski area for facilities for kids. So I'm, I think my thought there was the ease of entry from the parking lot maybe mm -hmm. to get your boots on to then to the lift that might be sugar bush oh. if you get parking up front um i mean even if you don't the the uh the little jitney will drop you off love the jitney they have when they redid their village there the learning center is like the first building right when you get there you don't have to walk up any steps you don't need to haul anything too far all right finally best ski area for overall value for families Cochran's. <laughs> Absolutely. That one's a uh, 95 season pass. Exactly. Um, and they have the Friday night ski things for families. Um, Cochran's is such a, such a Love gem. It. Oh yeah. yeah. 
every time I'm up there and I have some time, night skiing is usually well, that's yeah, unless you're going Saturday. Yeah, it's just so much fun. Everyone's having a good time. And your I kids be- <laughs> learn to use a rope toe and a T bar, which you know, I never I didn't jump on a T bar until I was at Cochran's, I think, for the first time. Everyone's smiling. What what's better than that? I know. It's a good good vibe there. All right. I should also, this is going to segue nicely into a little Ski Vermont, but uh, SkiVermont.com does have kids deals specifically. And uh, there are plenty of spots in Vermont where kids ski free. Yeah. So All Mountain Mamas, obviously you, you said you had a contract with uh, with them, with All Mountain Mamas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Ski Vermont is the owner, if you will, of All Mountain Mamas. Yeah. Can you talk about that partnership a little bit more? Is it just sort of the, that's where the website lives or is there more sort of behind the scenes? Yeah. Basically all mountain mamas is the channel for ski Vermont to reach families. They, they can focus on other things while I make sure that we're telling that story and, and helping promote it. And then they can share all of the all mountain mamas content on their channels as well to the broader audience. That's where I found you. Yeah. <laughs> ski Vermont program deals, deal section offerings are quite strong, at least com- compared to other regional ski ski resort or ski area associations, ranging from the first grade passport program, cross country reciprocal programs, learn to ski, deals for kids, military, seniors. You know, how do you, are are you contributing to sort of working on those deals and those opportunities to attract more people to come to Vermont to recreate and ski? Yeah, I mean, when I was at Ski Vermont, the fifth grade passport had already been around for a long time. And that's still one of the, one of the cooler deals that, any fifth grader can get three tickets to every resort in Vermont. Really fun way to kind of explore all of the all of the ski areas there. The Nordic Reciprocal Program was happening, I think, when when I was on my way out. So I'm not as familiar with that one. But they do. They've had different programs throughout throughout my time there and and beyond. They have the four pass now, which you can get four tickets to any resort in Vermont, which is fun. And that's like a really fun sort of Christmas thing for the whole family if everybody gets one of those. I know they sell out quickly though and they that might have already happened. And they've had some really good learn to ski programs as well. I think the take three passes is uh still rocking and that's a that's a nice way to get people out. There is evidence that if people take three lessons, they're more likely to continue skiing. And so make sure that people get out there and really get some skills before they choose whether this is going to be a lifetime sport or not. Oh, we're going to go back to that ski four pass. So I am a huge proponent of that. I had to ask you, Sarah, your time while you were doing director of uh, communications and then marketing on top of it. Were you the brains behind the original uh, three and five packs? No, those were there before I started as well. The conversation about consolidating them to just four passes was happening at the tail end of my my time there. It was just wise. Let's let's make it one product. Keep it easy. And it I think a... we'll get them now. So that's good. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about the sale date and that they sell out fast. I'm happy to report I was able to acquire a four pass and uh, intend to use it, of course. It's probably, hands down, the best deal in skiing, I think. I I mean, I like that claim, but (laughs) you can thank Alicia. I got to give a shout out to another mom, uh, Alicia Gorman. She's the office manager there, and that's all her. Thank you, Alicia. Yeah, I agree. The four pass is pretty, pretty amazing. And I think there's actually quite a few resorts that copy that as well. Like I know there's a four pack at, at Sugarbush and I've JP too. I, Jay just came out with one. I just shared that on social media with like friends that they aptly named past the J I'm like really guys. <laughs> it had a different name. Only, only like, Jay can do it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, It was some like four, four something last year, but it's a different name. 
yeah yeah um maybe that was just her little tagline this year but my friend mm. called that out she's like that's hilarious <laughs> um so that i think that four four ticket option whether it's to multiple resorts or single resorts is a really nice nice deal across the board and you're seeing that in in multiple places because that's something people can be like i commit to that if you're not a season pass holder you're like four i can do that especially when they're transferable be like oh and if by by march i haven't used them let me take yeah. three friends with me and we can all get after it fair so the four pack perhaps generally may be the best deal in skiing kind of thing because yeah. i remember winter park i have family out there so i go there all the time and before they were attached to the icon pass they had a four pack 199 i think it's 179 again this is a few years back but still yeah. 179 for four days of skiing at winter park now day lift tickets over 200 dollars. so right, right right there it just makes a lot of sense okay There's just a lot of places where the day ticket isn't like don't do that yes. <laughs> you, know, you can get more for less probably if you but um you know often that takes some planning ahead which not everyone is is doing absolutely and tell me indie pass is pretty amazing too if especially if you want to explore multiple resorts and you want that sort of small resort i'm a huge fan of like small independent resorts you know i brought up cochran's northeast slopes is another one that's like a little rope toe in east corinth where they filmed beetlejuice yeah i think when i talk about how like day tickets are really expensive poke around there's a lot of community smaller community ski resorts that they don't have all the fuss and the lodging and the and everything, but they're the vibes there are always amazing and they're affordable. I also wanted to ask you about the magazine since you know, there's a Sam magazine, but there's no yeah. more Ski Vermont magazine. No, I know. Fortunately, you do still sell the vintage covers of the magazine as 20 by 26 posters, but I'm curious, any chance of that kind of printed publication flipping through, getting excited for ski season coming back? I'm afraid I can't answer that question. I, I used to do the magazine when I was there. I loved it. Um, obviously, that dovetailed nicely into my current position. I believe that, you know, Ski Vermont is, in a, is a membership-based organization. So no decision is made without the support of, of all of the resorts. I think an unfortunate budget cut. Yeah. yeah. But I think I like the idea of the petition to, to bring it back. Oh, I don't know. you heard it here, folks. Let's bring it back because <laughs> I have the 2020... Was the complimentary issue the last issue? I was trying to find oh, it, I have it, but I you do have yeah, and I uh, and I, I think I still have twenty you know at least uh, I'd say a handful from previous years. All <laughs> right, I will be writing to Alicia about bringing back the magazine, and we'll right. set up some sort of online petition. Print <laughs> <Love laughs> is not dead. <laughs> no, it's not. Mount Gazette will uh, prove that to you. So, exactly. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about SAM, Ski Area Management, SAM for short, the voice of the resort industry. Sarah, what is it? How does it connect the ski industry? And what would be of interest to listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So SAM is a, you know, B2B or business to business publication. And we are, our subscribers are basically uh, resort managers, uh, resort owners. So of the over 600 ski resorts in North America, I'd say 99% of them subscribe to Sam. So we're we're basically a resource. We've been around for since um the the 60s as an established resource for these ski areas to we write from everything from marketing to snowmaking to grooming to you know your compressors and your shiv wheels on your lift. So we we cover it all. For your listeners, we do also have like a headline news um portion that's free. So you can sign up for that newsletter where we share industry news. So People are interested in what's happening, you know, who's got the new GM position somewhere, 
um, who's installed a new lift, anything like that, we're, we're talking about it in our headline news section as well. Um, yeah, and no, I, it's, I know plenty it's of people that are diehard fans that also subscribe to Sam. They just like to know what's going on in the industry. Yeah, it's really sometimes it's hard to find out that type of information. So obviously, this is this is your your point to doing it. You got to go back to a, a number you dropped. I heard you say six hundred ski areas, and I'm, is that including Nordic and Alpine? Just Alpine in North America. North yeah, America, so Canada, got um, it. Uh, fun fact: Hold on, I have a fun fact yeah, for you. Um, did you know that there is almost that many ski resorts in the tiny islands of Japan? I did not. I think I was surprised, though, to learn. I think Japan, Austria, and the U.S. who had the most. I think it was still Japan, although an incredible number of skiers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it, love it. It's dropped a lot. I think it's actually like between three hundred and four hundred now, but it used to be upwards of six hundred ski areas, which is insane. I love you throwing ski trivia at the host here. That's great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> How timely of a trivia question. Local Freshies just published an article entitled Skiing Japan Powder, Snow That You'd Find on Mars. Here's an excerpt. I've sampled the powder highway goodness imbibed on the classic champagne snow in Colorado. Feasted on the greatest snow on earth. But what I encountered on this particular day was truly otherworldly. The type of snow I rode was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. With each turn, a massive plume of snow erupted behind me, reminiscent of a howitzer shell narrowly missing its mark. The snow hung in the air, floating for seconds before delicately twinkling back down to the ground, almost like a scene from Mars rather than Earth. It was deep powder, bottomless, yet if you maintained your speed, the snow had enough buoyancy to let you effortlessly float on its surface. Sarah, good trivia drop. Now, still though, 600 North America, whether it's, you know, just shy of 500 in the US, how do you keep tabs on all that information? I mean, we have our subscribers, so we have our database, right? NSAA is still a wonderful resource for that as well. They have their whole membership listed, and as members, we get access to that. So, but yeah, we've been connecting with these folks since, like I said, the 60s. So some of them have come on after Sam started, and they know about us because the ski area down the road also subscribes to Sam, whether it's word of mouth or at the industry events where we we get to know these people. We, we just keep in touch, and we do a lot of... Uh, leadership development. So we're often talking to leadership coming up. Um, we do, you know, the 10 under 30 features, which of these are the top 10 people in the industry under 30 right now um, that are good to keep tabs on. So, you know, we, we, we keep tabs on everybody throughout the generations and provide great content that they need and act as a resource for them. We also sponsor conferences. I saw that you were the headline sponsor for the New England Summit, I believe. And then just generally, can listeners, other interested skiers and riders, maybe people uh, interested in uh, working in the ski industry, uh, can they attend those kind of events? And I suspect maybe Sam would also be interacting with the national, uh, you said NSAA, but also maybe National Ski Patrollers Association, instructors, mm -hmm. Outdoor Industry Association. Just curious what other sort of outdoor, uh, the outdoor community is sort of in Sam's world. Yeah, we're often media sponsors at events. Um, we go and we cover them and, and support them and help get the word out to the industry about them. So yeah, anything from any uh, NSA does a, a ton of events and then the small regional events that we work with quite a bit. Someone interested in pursuing a career, um, these are great areas. It's 
usually you need to be associated with a ski resort to go, but I, I don't see why you couldn't go and, and poke your head around and, and meet some people if you're trying to, to break in. But it's, it's pretty easy to get a job at an entry level job at a resort if you're young and you want to test out the waters and see if you want to work there. There's usually some some good options whether it's on mountain or, or off mountain. We do have a classified section on Sam. There's a lot of, yeah. lot of job postings there to check out. Yeah, I poked around there just out of curiosity. So while we talked about uh, Sam, uh, sort of the national, maybe even international sort of perspective, I want to stay on that theme, sort of the state of skiing, if you will. How has the resort industry changed from when you maybe started, even when you were volunteering at Camelback, Ski Patrol, and obviously now mo- many jobs in the ski industry? Yeah, I think the the number one thing that has changed, and I think you probably already know this, is season pass structures and multi-passes. That's really been one of the biggest changes in the industry, especially from like a consumer point of view. I can talk about like housing and staffing and how that's affected resorts. But between, but when it comes to, you know, your listeners, how people are purchasing their access to skiing has changed quite a bit. Um, you have Epic, you have Icon, you have Indie. You have all these sort of multi-passes to choose from that are really well-priced. And that, you know, that speaks really well to the to the core skier. Even the non-core skier that goes on a week-long trip, that's still the, it's still a well-priced option, right? So one of the things that I think we need to worry about as an industry, though, is your walk-up lift ticket prices are, are, are high, right, at a lot of places. And not everywhere. So there still are places that you can walk up and buy a lift ticket that's not going to break the bank. But the option to do that or people that have done that maybe 15 years ago and that are coming back to skiing, like the lapsed skier, if you will, that can be pretty shocking. Or people that are trying it out new for the first time to be like, oh, wait, for one day I have to pay this and rentals and lessons. You know, so I think there are a lot of programming. There's a lot of resorts sort of addressing this. The Midwest does a great job with this. You know, a lot of their skiers are beginners and they have the process down really well and they have options for them. So I think it's just the rest of the industry needs to take a look at that and say, you know, how are we, you know, going to, we have this great structure for our core skiers. How can we in turn look at new skiers and make sure that it's accessible to them as well? I will say just plug Middlebury uh, College Snowball. I walked up and bought a ticket last season for, I think it was $35 on a Friday. Place mm-hmm. was empty. It was cold. Maybe that was part of the reason. It was also a weekday, <laughs> but hey. You don't have to pay $200 to uh, walk up and have uh, plenty right. of terrain to, to ski from. Well, that is just a great segue to my sort of final question as we kind of wrap things up. I'm curious about sustainability, sort of both snow covering the actual slope, but yeah. also profitability, right? So it's only getting more expensive to run a ski area, especially if you have to make snow as temperatures are warming and the, perhaps the season is narrowing with uh, actual natural snowfall. So it's perhaps a long-winded question, but uh, you know, what is the future of ski operations, maybe in the region? You obviously talked about pass affiliations, a big, a big thing that's happening. Uh, are we gonna see more acquisitions? Are we gonna see more sort of maybe smaller uh, skiers, maybe off lesser known off the radar, you know, try to go after the, you know, opening day, uh, you know, sweepstakes like Ski Ward did this year? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see more, you know, uh, ski areas maybe convert to a nonprofit or community ownership model? Just in Vermont, you got, you know, corporate ownership with Vail Resorts. You got obviously Altera's model. You have membership model with the Hermitage. You have nonprofits uh, all over the place. You have a college-owned ski area. 
you have investor groups, obviously, and family-run ski areas. So just kind of curious what you think maybe the sort of the landscape will kind of look like uh, maybe in another, when you celebrate the 20th anniversary of <laughs> Mamas. What will it look like? Well, hopefully we'll still be getting snow, right? Um, when you said one of the, when you asked me to talk about what's changed the most, you know, I said I'd pass options and things like that, but climate change and sustainability were we're right there along with it. So great topic to bring up. You know, I think it depends on what resorts and the world does when it when it comes to climate change and how we react. Hopefully we do. And hopefully we we help stop the the warming of the earth and we don't see too much change in ski resorts. However, obviously there is, you know, there's change happening. And like you said, snowfall has changed and seasons have gotten shorter. Resort operators are incredibly creative. When it comes to what they need to do to get things done, to get a product on the on the hill, they're definitely considering sustainability a lot more than they ever have. We talk about it ad nauseum at SAM. Almost every issue of ours has an article about sustainability now, which is great. And that's something that I've always been passionate about. So I like kind of helping drive those articles. We get groups of people. There's a lot more sustainability directors at resorts as well that are talking about best practices. So yeah, hopefully, you know, that work continues. And what we'll see though, is a lot of um, resorts diversifying to becoming four season areas and saying like, we're going to offer something to our communities, no matter what the season, we're going to keep doing what we need to do to make sure there's, there's a winter and, and there's snow on the ground for you to come and, and enjoy it. As to what like the ownership setup is like, I, I don't, you know, we haven't seen that um, burst of acquisitions that we saw a few years ago, right? I think that slowed down a little bit. Obviously, they still happen. I think we're actually seeing a little more of a revival of the small community ski areas. And I'd really like to continue seeing that. We've had, and I don't have this number in front of me, but there, there's a handful of resorts that opened last year that hadn't opened in 10 years. So communities are coming together to say like, hey, this is a resource that we lost and how do we get it back? And they're finding unique ways to, to bring it together. Ascutney is a great example in Vermont, a mountain that closed down and they the community came together. They have a huge mountain bike program and they have a rope tow and they're, they're skiing and riding there as a community. And that's, yeah, it's really good to see. Yeah, I, um, I echo that. I was fortunate to go to Granite Gorge, one of your reopening uh, ski areas in New Hampshire. Didn't get to Tenny, but I know they're part of, both of them are part of the No Boundaries Pass, which FYI yeah. listeners is still on sale. I think $99, but it's going to go wow. up soon. Gives you access. Nine days, could be as much as nine days to Granite Gorge, Tenny, and Mount Abram in Maine. It's a little shameless That's plug. Not bad. Saddleback came back up in Maine a couple exactly. years ago. So mm -hmm. there is that. And that is uh, definitely something to get excited for and root for the underdog here. Absolutely. And those are, like I said, they have such a great community vibe at those ski areas. Everyone's just there helping out and having a good time. It's hard to beat. Well, speaking of having a good time, we have yes. a few more minutes. So I think I'm going to force the issue here. All we right. All right. A handful <laughs> of trivia questions for our trivia expert, oh, God, Sarah no. Wojcik. <laughs> I said uh, disclaimer. I said trivia is not my strong suit, but let's do it. <laughs> she did. She did. She did. I appreciate you uh, stepping up to the plate, so to speak, here. But I think you're going to do really well. Oh, thank you. Question number one: List of best ski areas for families from Ski Magazine, The Points Guy, On the Snow, Travel and Leisure, Vermont wow. Ski and Ride, Condé Nest. So there's at least six sources. All of these lists 
shared one ski area in Vermont on their list of best ski areas for families. Which... Nailed it. One for one. There's not going to be a problem with you this at all. No problem. Yeah. Morse Mountain, gentle winding trails, fireworks on Thursdays, glow tubing on Tuesdays, resorts, kids club, nightly entertainment, weekly winter carnival. Sarah, what am I missing? And what should other people know about Smugs? I stayed at Smugs. I've had, I've been fortunate enough to stay there. And it's the slope side lodging that makes all of that like a beautiful, cohesive thing. It really is. They have shuttles that pick you up. You can go to the pool. You can go to the fun zone. You can go cross-country skiing. I mean, I went there when I had a baby and I cross-country skied during their nap time and they slept in a polk sled that they had available. You know, they just <laughs> they have the amenities there. They take care of you very well when you're staying there. They yeah. also have some very gnarly terrain for those expert skiers. Triple diamond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sterling Mountain. Love it. And Madonna. Oh, Madonna. All right. Question number two. Off to a great start here. Night skiing is the theme. Source, though, VermontLiftTickets.com. I'm not actually familiar with that, but here we go. Another way to increase access and get kids skiing is mm. after school and at night. How many ski areas in Vermont offer night skiing? Three, seven, 11, or 15 for your multiple choice uh, answers. Oh, Sarah. Am I wrong? Would you like a, a, to, uh, are you, sh- what's What is the line? I want to uh, know what final, they are. Final answer. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I need to go up. What was the, what was the next option? <laughs> Three, seven, 11, or 15. Night skiing? Yeah, like, I think so. Lights? Yeah. Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I guess I'll say seven, but you I are don't, correct. You're I don't... two for two. Okay. Seven. You got to list those for me because I'm confused. Right. We got Cochran's <laughs> night skiing, okay. obviously. Yep. Brattleboro Ski Hill. Oh, okay. We got Bolton Valley. Yes. Magic in their terrain park. Does ah, that qualify? Okay. No, I mean, I guess I didn't. Yeah. Lights I didn't are lights. Consider. Lights are lights, man. We got <laughs> Bellows Fall Ski Toe. I don't even know about Bellows Fall Ski Toe. We got Hardack. Okay. And St. Albans. And then we got Linden okay. Outing Club. Well, and okay. New this year, which I didn't even count, Middlebury. Yes. What do you think? I didn't know that they were putting lights up. Are those, um, are those answers my... questionable? <laughs> no, no, that's more my narrow-mindedness of like what of members of Ski Vermont when I worked there, and gotcha. uh, those are not members of Ski Vermont. They're the smaller rope toes, but good for them. That's awesome. Yeah. So we were at eight. Missed, this I missed Hardak. I pass it all the time, and I. Uh, blanked on that so well, I, was, I was in your neck of the woods uh last ski season i was trying to get there on a friday night and it was sort of like the, the facebook a- operating hours was was a little uh, it was unclear if they were open so yeah, yeah so it's kind of like I, yeah. I haven't gotten there but anyway <laughs> i have I'm, not i've not hit up hard act yet either and i like i say i passed it on my way to jay a lot and i'm like we gotta go there that's okay though that was a that was a good education good there you education. go thank you win-win all right, question number three. You're going to get this one, I think. Northeast Slopes website reads, we are renowned for three things, our long history, real snow, and... The fastest rope toe. That is actually not what I was going to say, but that very well... Is it the fastest? Definitely the That's oldest, what they longest claim. running, right? They longest claim it's the fastest. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to go with the Northeast Burgers that are made oh. with choice ground beef. <laughs> is that on their site? I think it's on the website. I think that's where I got it. <laughs> I had a burger there and I was like, this is the best burger I've ever had in my life. There you go. Another win made by an old couple and they were the sweetest people alive. And I was like, I, I need to come here all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, I went there on my way back from Burke and unfortunately they weren't there and I was a little oh. disappointed, but I had a great day. And and I always, I think I said this before, so but you're hearing it first the first time presumably. Uh the difference between Cochrane's and Northeast slopes, like they're sort of similarly set up, but like Cochrane's it's like racing, they got the course yeah. and then Northeast Slopes is just like got kids building jumps and this like whole freestyle culture. At least that's what I observed yeah. in a short time there. So and that's I, I all the Northeast Slopes is basically run by volunteers too. There's not like a yeah. and it's op- yeah. it's like open on Wednesdays and Saturdays or something like that, you know. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not as big of an operation as Cochrane's. <laughs> worth a stop still, worth a stop. So great. Yeah. All right. Last question. This is food specific. So mm-hmm. we're gonna send you to lunch soon. When yeah. I asked my three-year-old any question about food, his answer always seems to include the word pizza. Mm-hmm. So when I came across Vermont Ski and Ride's best pizza in Vermont ski towns, I had to learn more. So while the article had the top five answers for best uh, ski area, you know, pizza, only one actual ski area restaurant like made the list. So the other four were like surrounding town pizza, yeah, if you will. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, what was the ski area? that made the best pizza. Is it Jay? It is not Jay. It is Bolton Valley Fireside Flatbread. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, Yeah. I have, I think I have a picture of my son when he's like two years old eating pizza, like under the bar there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Listeners and uh, anyone else. The only ski area pizza, Fireside Flatbread, Bolton Valley, is the local flatbread. Nice. So, yeah, nice. it was number five on Ski Vermont's best pizza at a, at a ski area. Uh, Mountain Town, I think, is what the category Yeah, what were the others? Probably like Flatbread and Picasso or... Yep, there was one and two. And then oh. three was Romanto's in Bridgewater. And four was oh, Dominic's nice. in Killington. Awesome. This yeah. I think it might be a couple of years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go get some pizza right now. Right? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're up against it. I got to let you go, but this is last chair. Anything we didn't cover or anything you want to plug? Everybody, I hope you're getting excited for the ski season. And and no matter where you are, I hope you get out and get to play in some snow. Because that's what it's all about, right? Getting outside in the winter is important. All right, cool. that'll do it. Check out allmountainmamas.skivermont.com for the latest information on everything family ski and ride. You can also find the Mamas on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter, X, whatever it's called these days. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah, so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Good times. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com. You can also follow me on that thing at Powderhound Skis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhound's Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhound's. <laughs>